Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Church family, wow. Church, what a good reminder for us as a church that as we go out and do what he's called us to do, that we will only be able to do greater things through our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Do you believe that, church family? Amen. Let's give another shout of praise. Man, what a great day to worship God, isn't it? Welcome. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, if it's your first time here joining us online or at one of our campuses, listen, we are honored. Amen, church family? We are honored that you're here with us. And uh, today we're actually wrapping up a series called uh, Before the Throne, A Theology of Prayer. And through these last five weeks, we have been looking at the intricacies of prayer and really studying this amazing gift we have called prayer. And today we're going to be looking at God's Word and seeing how our prayers relate to the salvation of the people in our lives that we care about. And so, listen, I am eager to dive into God's Word. Are you all as well? Amen. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, and you can follow along with me as I read, okay? Listen to what God's Word says. This is Paul speaking. He says, brothers, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire. And what's the next word? And prayer. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is this, that they may be what? Saved. That they may be saved. In other words, there was this desire inside the Apostle Paul that drove him to pray, to never lose hope, to always pray for those people he knew that still didn't know Christ as their Savior. Amen. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. Again, great to have you here. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of those who are Christians, we can trace back uh, up to uh, uh, our salvation to someone who had an impact in us coming to know Christ. Uh, for me, that was my mom. And uh, I was blessed with a mom who not only cared about my uh, physical body, but my spiritual aspect as well. And she cared so much about my soul that ever since I was a little boy, she would pray for me that I would come to know Christ. And she would always tell me about the things of God. And by the grace of God, one day I came to know Christ as Savior and I started my personal relationship with the Lord. And so I was very blessed. Uh, to have a mom like the mom that I have. But sadly, even though my mom was, is very close to the Lord, my dad, on the other hand, is not very close to the Lord. 
The folks, follow the story here because every single year, I've told you this before, right? I always, I always, growing up, I would always go to visit my dad in the island of Cyprus, a little island in the Mediterranean. And normally, we would just go there and, you know, drive around the island and just have a good time, you know, visit family and all that good stuff. Uh, but one year, we decided to do something different that we had never done before. And that was to go on a Mediterranean cruise. Oh, yeah. I I shared this story with you before. And, folks, it was such an amazing trip for us. We had never done it. So we went off. And uh, one of the stops on that cruise was on the beautiful country of Sicily. And so we, we, board, we, we stopped and we got off and we began to explore uh, the, the port city. And church, I thought to myself, you know, this is another good opportunity for me to talk to my dad about the Lord. And again, unfortunately, he was not open to the gospel as I would hope. But folks, in that conversation, there came a point that I would never forget. And I guess he wanted to figure out how truly committed I was to Christ and the gospel message. And so we came to a point in the middle of the conversation, we got to a crosswalk. And folks, as we were waiting to the, for the light to cross, he posed a question to see my level of commitment. So he said, Omar, if someone right now would come and point a gun to your head, would you still say that you believe in Jesus Christ. And I said, Dad, without hesitation, of course I will. He is the one who saved me. He is the one who loves me. I owe my everything to the Lord. And folks, when I, the moment I said that, he began to laugh. And, and he wasn't laughing at me to make fun of me. You know, if you know my dad, that's not who he is. But he was just laughing at the fact that his son would be so into this thing called Christianity. How can my son be so into it that he would even say yes to a situation like that? So he thought in his mind that all this was just silly. And so once the light changed, we crossed the street and I changed the conversation. And we actually had a great trip, a great time on that trip. But family, if I can be honest, the moment, that moment right there in the crosswalk had a tremendous impact on my life. Because the moment that he laughed, I lost hope. Now, I lost hope that my dad could ever be saved. You know, in my mind, I thought to myself, my goodness, he's just too far from God. You know, he is just too set on his ways. His his, his heart is just too close to the things of God. And folks, for a season... It changed everything how I related to my dad. It changed how intentional I was with him about the things of God. It changed how often I would talk to my dad about the gospel. And folks, it even impacted my prayer life to the point that for a season, I did not pray for the salvation of my father. Why? Because in my mind, I thought, my dad is just too far off. He's just too set in his ways. He is just too close-minded. So what's the point of praying for his salvation? And church, let me just bring that whole story over to our time together. 
Because what an image of how many people feel with the people who they care about in their lives. And by that I mean that just like for a season, I lost hope that my dad could ever be saved. And consequentially, I stopped praying for my dad. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we open up God's word. You know, many of us may be in the exact same situation. That we have lost hope that someone that we care about, that they are in our lives, we have lost hope that they could ever come to know Christ as Savior. Maybe for you as a spouse, maybe as a husband or a wife, maybe as a family member, maybe it's a, a, a dad, a mom, a brother, sister. Perhaps for you as a child, they are just too wayward. You think they're just too far from God. Maybe for us as a longtime friend or a coworker that you have worked for for a long time, and every time you talked about the things of God, they don't want to hear it. And so as a result, you have lost hope that they could ever be saved. And truth be told, you can't even remember the last time you prayed for their salvation. You care about them. You love them. But you cannot remember the last time you prayed for their salvation. Why? Because you've lost hope that they could ever come to know Christ. So you may be here right now watching us, whether online or one of our campuses, and you may be thinking, Omar, man, I'm tracking with you because, yeah, I could think of certain people in my life that I feel like I've lost hope because I really don't pray for them anymore. So, Omar, what do I need to be reminded from God's word today so that I can regain hope that that person that I love in my life could one day come to know Christ as Savior? What do I need to know? Well, we're going to find out from Romans chapter 10, all right? So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 10. You can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and uh, by the way, on the way in, if you're in one of our campuses, you should have received a listening guide. Go ahead and wave those in the air. We used to do that back in the day. Yeah, go ahead and wave them in the air. Yeah. Yeah. These are ways for you to take physical notes, which, by the way, every weekend you come into church, you can pick those up on the way in if you prefer to write down your handwritten notes. But today, listen carefully. I have two thoughts for us on what we need to remember when it comes to those people in our lives that we may have lost hope in. So write this down as point number one, church family. The first thing is, listen, is that God desires us to pray for the unsaved. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, let's go back to the passage for today and listen to what it says. The Apostle Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is this, that they may be, what's the next word? Saved. That they may be saved. Now pause right there for just a moment because we find ourselves roughly at the midpoint of the book of Romans. And the apostle Paul had just finished uh, describing uh, Israel's failure to trust Christ as Savior. And so because they had rejected Jesus Christ, listen, the apostle Paul knew that his people were on a road to spend eternity without Christ in a place called hell. Why? Because of our sins. And family, listen, this was heartbreaking, heartbreaking for the Apostle Paul. To the point that a chapter before, listen to what he says. 
He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow, great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself, listen, were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And so church family, it's evident, right, that there's this anguish. There's this anguish inside of the Apostle Paul to want to see his people come to know Christ to the point of the unthinkable. That he says, I would rather be cut off from Christ than, so that my people could know the Lord. And church, there might be someone in your life that you feel exactly the same way. Especially if you're your child and you see them far away from God. Listen, as a parent, you would rather get cut off from Christ so that they can experience life, right? So sometimes our desire for people to come to know Christ could be so strong. And listen, Paul's desire for his people to know the Lord was so strong that it drove him to pray to the Lord. And church, here is why the Apostle Paul always prayed for people to come to know Christ. It's because he understood this monumental truth. Write this down as letter A. That God is sovereign over the salvation of man. Amen. You know, we learned last week that God being sovereign means, right, that he exercises supreme authority and control. Which means that not only does God have the free will to do whatever he pleases, but that he has such degree of unfettered power that whatever he wills, he will accomplish. That is what God's sovereignty means. And folks, the absolute sovereignty extends to every facet of life, every corner of the universe. Our God is sovereign. And so we cannot believe in God's sovereignty that he is sovereign over all things, but somewhere on the line, it ends when it comes to the salvation of man. You know, interesting enough, in the chapter right before this, Romans chapter 9, uh, Paul asserts his man's complete dependence on God for salvation. You know, Romans 9, if you have never read this chapter in God's Word, it's one of the weightiest, most difficult chapters to read because there's some heavy, heavy truth that the Apostle Paul goes through. But however, I want to encourage you, read that chapter because it will truly help you understand a lot more of God, the way that God saves a person. And so as, he, as he's going through Romans chapter 9, right, Paul, the chapter before, he's asserting God, man's complete dependence on God for salvation to the point that listen to what God says in the previous chapter, he says this, God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends, meaning someone coming to know Christ, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And so through, throughout chapter 9, Paul's asserting here God's complete and total sovereignty over man's salvation. Now, we need to keep in mind 
that about seven chapters before in Romans chapter 3, God had already said that none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, and no one what? No one what? Seeks for God. You see, what God's word is telling us here is that the only way a person could ever see God is if somehow, some way, God shows them grace in their life. In fact, if last fall we went through a series called The Five Solas, uh, if you were not here for that and you were not able to watch those teachings, I want to encourage you, go to our sermon archive online and go to the Five Solas series and click on the first one called Saved by Grace, Saved by Grace Alone. Uh, and it's really important for us to have these doctrines very clear in us because there we learned that when God intervenes in someone's life, why, when God shows grace to a person, folks, he opens up their eyes to see the beauty of Christ and leads them and draws him, that person, to trust him as Savior. In fact, folks, listen, we are so dependent on the Lord for our salvation that listen to what Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, verse 44. He said this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me, what? Draws him. Draws him. And folks, listen, Paul understood that we are completely dependent on the Lord to come to Christ. In fact, listen to what Paul said about one of his experiences in his missionary journeys. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 16. Paul said, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. And she was a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And notice what it says. And the Lord what? Opened. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The folks, notice, who opened the heart of Lydia? Was it, does it say that Lydia was smarter than everyone else in that group? Nope. Does it say that Lydia was the wisest person so she figured out the gospel with no one else? No, no, no. It says that God was the one who opened up her heart. Amen. See, God intervened in her life and gave her eyes to see and ears, and ears to hear. And family, let me remind you. Just like we saw this happen in Lydia, folks, that's exactly what happened in your life and in my life if you're a believer in Christ. Because somewhere along your life, somewhere along the way, God showed grace to you. He began to open up your eyes. He gave you a desire now for the things of God that you never had before, and now you want to come to church. Now you're seeking the things of God. And if you go back and you trace, how did I get here? How did I? If you trace it, for every single one of us, God intervened at some point in our life. Amen? And you know, some people, though, there are people that whenever they hear God's absolute sovereignty over the salvation of man, it's hard for them to accept that. In fact, they say, no, no, Omar, it has to be man who's in control. It has to be that the size of factor has to be man. It cannot be God. And so they resist this whole idea that God is fully sovereign in the salvation of his people. 
And then I always ask, when I run into someone like that, I always pose this question. I always say, I always ask them, do you ever pray for someone to be saved? Wow. They said, absolutely, Omar. Oh, I'm a, I'm a fervent man. I'm a fervent woman of prayer. I pray for my family, for the people in my life to pray, to, 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 to come to know Christ. And then here is what I always help them, under, help them understand. Write this down as letter B. Listen, that your prayers and our prayers actually acknowledge that God is sovereign in salvation. Amen. Now think about it. When you pray, you do so under the assumption that God has the power to save. In fact, every single time you pray is an implicit admission that God is a sovereign God who saves. Because every time we pray, what are we saying? Lord, open their heart. We use different phrases, right? Open their heart, Lord. Lead them to the Lord. Do whatever you have to do. Intervene in their lives so they can come to know your son as Savior, right? And so what we're saying every time we pray is that it's an open admission that you, God, are the God who saves. Because if you didn't believe that, you wouldn't pray. If God was not sovereign or salvation, you would not pray. Why? What's the point of praying if God does have not have control over the salvation of man? You would rather spend your time trying to convince that person rather than pray to God to be saved. Amen? Does that make sense? Now, the big question that, and I always like to push our, our thinking, right, when it comes to the Word of God. The big question that many people may have is... If God is completely and fully sovereign over who is saved, you know, God's word says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he chose us in him even before the foundation of the world. So why should we pray? Why should I pray for my dad? Why should you pray for that person in your life? If God is fully sovereign, he's going to do what he's going to do. Well, listen, because God promises to respond to our prayer. You know, in the same concept that we covered last week, that just like God plans to save people, right, within God's plans, right, he also plans and moves his people to pray for the salvation of other people. And so, church, don't miss this. In fact, everyone, everyone say, don't miss this. Don't Everyone say, don't miss this. Don't miss yeah, this. don't miss this. Because part of someone's testimony of them coming to know Christ as Savior should not begin the moment they put their faith in Christ. It comes before that. It comes when someone in their life was praying for them to God that they would be saved. And so, listen, you may be thinking, look, Omar, I got a, one time I got an invite card no, I didn't know anybody here. No one knew me that I'm a Christian. I don't know anybody that's a Christian. I just came, I sat down at church, and in a few weeks, I felt God to move my heart, and I gave my faith to Christ. So no one really prayed for me. Listen, every single week, our staff prays for you. And we, we have a team of people, volunteers, and every week we say, Lord, draw people here, oh God. And when they come, may you open up their hearts to hear and receive the message of the gospel. 
And so never say that no one has prayed for you. You've been prayed over, whether you know them or not, people are praying for you. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we can clap for that. And so because God is in control, right, and he is sovereign, listen, not only does that move us to pray to God to intervene in that person's life, but here's the other thing that God wants us to do. Write this down as big number two. God desires for us to go. Everyone say go. Go. Yeah, to go and serve and tell the unsaved. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says later in that same chapter. He says, how then will they call on him when they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen carefully. That phrase right there, preach the good news, is not what I'm doing. It's what you and I do every single time we have a gospel conversation. Every time you have a gospel conversation, the Lord says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news to the lost. And folks, I absolutely love this because Paul knows better than anyone of how sovereign God is over salvation. But then he poses a question, how will they believe if we don't go to them? If we don't, if we don't go and tell them, if we don't go and serve them? You know, last week after our Saturday night service here at Palmetto Bay, there was a young man who approached me, and he was super encouraging, really, you know, he, really great guy, super committed. And he's like, oh, boy, man, I've been enjoying this series of uh, Before the Throne, and it's been really helpful. But he said, i got to admit something. You know, back, back in, in, in months back, you know, I felt like I was very passionate about evangelism. That I was really eager to share the gospel, invite people to church, but now... After knowing God's sovereignty, the more I understand how sovereign God is, somewhere along the line, I feel like I'm less passionate, like I'm not as motivated to share the gospel, talk to people of the Lord. Why? Because if God's going to do what he's going to do, then what's the point? And folks, here's what I've told them. You know, knowing God's sovereignty over the salvation of man should actually motivate us to share the gospel even more. And and here's how I help them understand why we should do that. You know, here at Palmetto Bay, if you're here, you know that we're in the middle of construction out there. We have a parking lot. The drainage was really bad. It was caving in, so we had to make some changes. So we're in the process of redoing the drainage and repaving that parking lot, the current parking lot. And so if you're at Palmetto Bay, you know, thank you for your patience during this time. I'm sure it's going to be over pretty soon. Uh, But here's what I said. I told them, imagine that before we repave this parking lot, imagine that someone went out there and hid a bunch of gold bags, bags of gold, all throughout the parking lot. In different random places, they put bags of gold, and then they paved it all over. And a few years later, let's suppose you and I would come back here 
And I would say, hey, listen, you may not know this, but out there in that parking lot, there are actually bags of gold scattered all throughout underneath that pavement. I don't know how many, and I don't know where they are, but what I can guarantee you is that there are bags of gold hidden all throughout this parking lot. And I said, hey, here's a jackhammer. If you would like, you are free to go out there and start jackhammering until you find all the bags of gold. And I, and I, and I told them this. Would you be motivated to go find that gold? He said, absolutely. Why? Because you know with certainty that if you do the work, listen, eventually it's not a question of if you'll find, it's when you'll find. Why? Because there is a certainty that there are bags of gold hidden. If you had no certainty that there were bags of gold, you would not waste your time. You would be unmotivated to go tear up that parking lot, right? He said, yes. And so the fact that you know that there are bags of gold is motivation for you to start searching. And folks, same thing with evangelism, right? Because here's the reality. Because we know that there are people out in this city, in your life, that will respond to the gospel. Yes. Listen, it's not an if, but it's a when. Because we know that God is at work. And that there's people in the city that God is at work and is already drawing them closer to him. You know, when our Lord was dying on a cross, he was not dying like this, with, with crossed fingers, wow. hoping, I'm giving my life. I hope someone believes. Wow. I hope someone believes. Did he die like this? Nope. No, he died with certainty, knowing that eventually, throughout the course of history, there will be people who will trust him as Savior. In fact, when you look at John chapter 10, listen carefully to what the Lord told his disciples. He said this. The Lord said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay my my life down for the sheep. Now, he's referring at this juncture right, to the Jewish people. He's speaking to the disciples who were Jewish, right? I'm laying my life for the people of Israel. But notice then what he says. He says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. You know who they are? Gentiles. Anybody who's not of Jewish descent, listen, we are the other sheep. And this is what he says, I must bring them also. And maybe some of them will listen. And I hope they will listen to my voice. What does it say? And they will will listen. You see, family, when you read God's word, look at the little nuances of what the Lord, his words. And you know what's amazing? If you finish the book of John and you go into the book of Acts, you see the words of the Lord beginning to come to new life. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 13. It says, and when the Gentiles heard it, right, the other sheep... They began rejoicing and and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were, what church family? Appointed. What is it? Appointed. Appointed. 
And many who were appointed to eternal life, what? They believed. Listen, Christ fellowship, when we go out and tell people about Jesus, we're not going out there trying to convince people. Oh, hoping that maybe someone's going to respond. No, 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 no. When we go out to serve the community, to have gospel conversations, we do with the certainty that we know that there are people who will come to know Christ. Can I get an amen to that, church family? Listen, we don't know who they are or how many there are. Just like we don't know how many bags of gold, right? We don't know where they're at, but we know that if we do the work of the ministry, some people will respond to the message of the gospel. And so understand this. Just like God has appointed for us to pray for people, God has also appointed us to go share with them the gospel and by it use us to draw people to himself. Now, church, why does God choose to do things the way he, he chooses to do, I cannot tell you why. You know, we see from God's word that every man is held accountable for their sin, That's right. but we also know that God is sovereign over the salvation of man. And there comes a point where even God says in Romans chapter 9, but who are you to question God? Who are you to question me? There has to be a point as we study God's word that we bow and we say, Lord, even when we can understand what's going on, Lord, we will trust you and we will do what you've commanded us to do. We will go and proclaim the message of the gospel. Amen? And so, folks, listen, as we go out, here's how we go, right? Write this down as letter A. First of all, we go out as individuals, as individuals. You know, one of the healthiest things that you can do in your spiritual life is have a gospel conversation. In fact, we believe that being on mission and having those conversations is so critical to your growth in your walk with Christ that it's even part of how we help you follow the Lord. You know, our mission here at Christ Fellowship, just a reminder, is to help you and your family follow Jesus, right? The reason we exist as a church, very simple, is to help you and your family follow Jesus. But the question is, how do you help me and my family follow Jesus? Well, very simple. We want you to do four steps. First of all, we want you to connect to God. And we, believe, we want you to have a personal relationship with God, and we want you to come to our weekend service and have a dynamic and grow more in your knowledge of God and worship God, a personal relationship with God, right? But the second step is we want you now to also connect to others. You know, the, the Christian life is not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be in community with other people. And so we want you to connect to others in a small group. And so if you're not in a small group, listen, COVID is starting to diminish. It's time to get back into a small group, okay? Third, it's to connect to a ministry. We want you to serve in a ministry team which means that God has given you certain talents, certain abilities for the upbuilding of the body. We want you, part of your day, your walk with the Lord is to exercise and use the gifts that God has given to you. And you can serve in kids ministry, student ministry, production, worship, parking, anything that you want, you want to get involved. Listen, start getting involved. Serve the Lord in whatever capacity you can. But folks, listen, not only do we want you to connect to God, to other people, and to a ministry team, but folks, also, we want you to connect to the mission. 
you know, there has to be a moment that you and your personal walk, I mean, that you're missional with the people in your life. It's not all about coming here and worshiping God and getting all this knowledge and not doing anything with it. You know, there's people in your work, there's people in your life, family members. Man, have those conversations. Be missional with those people in your lives. And church, we, we, want, we want to facilitate this so much that we've made it so easy. We, listen, you all receive little invite cards on your way in. You can grab them right now. Listen, these invite cards, which by the way are just simply beautiful, right? These are little tools that you can have to start to kickstart gospel conversations. You know, this past week I gave like six or seven uh, cards out to different people who are at different restaurants or people who I bought stuff from. Listen, I just take it out. Hey, man, I don't know what you're doing for Easter. If you go to a church, man, we would love to have you here. And it, you know what? It's always a really good conversation. I've never met anybody that says, you know, get away from me. You know, it's nothing like that. People are open to it. And you don't know where God leads. And you don't know if that little card that is in your hand right now. If that is the little tool that God uses to draw someone to himself, listen, don't keep that in your pocket. Don't keep that in your purse. Give it out when, when you can. And I'm telling you, you got to let God do what he's going to do. But we got to be faithful, amen? amen. we got to be missional. So not only do we go out as individuals, but we also go out, uh, write this down in letter B, we go out as a small group. And one of the things I want to challenge all of our small groups, including my own small group that I'm a part of, is to go out at least once a quarter, at least once a quarter, and reach beyond the walls of the church and go serve and love people in the city. In fact, back in the day, we used to call these efforts reach beyond for our small groups. I want to bring that term back, and I want to challenge each of our small groups to go on reach beyonds every so often because we cannot just stay stuck at our homes, in our rooms, studying God's Word. Listen, we need to go periodically as a group and, get served, and go serve people, amen? And there's many ways. You know, listen, if you know of a family that's hurting, man, go and help that family out as a small group. If you know of a group that's tired, you know, nurses or cops or whoever, man, go make them a meal. Go love on those people. If you know of a group of people that are really hurting, man, go help those people. But we all know p- people who are in need. Go, go, go serve them with your small group. And, and if you're not, you don't know them, listen, there's d- different ways. For example, we have came from Miami. Who's a non, it's our nonprofit organization here at Christ Fellowship to, that serves the under-resourced and hurting. Listen, we got many programs. We got a dental mobile unit bus that we go to outreach in, in low-income areas that need help. Uh, we got our backpack program that you can get involved with and to go and, and, and deliver these backpacks and get involved in the ministry. Or even our bridge program, which teaches conversational English to people in our city. You can get part of this and start serving the Lord and be missional, right, with your small group. Or you can also go to our partner page at cfmiami.org slash partners, and there you can see all of our partners and everything going on. And these are different organizations that, listen, that maybe we as a church don't have access to these people, but they do, and so you can partner up with them. So I want to challenge you. Listen, go to cfmiami.org slash mission And there on that website, you will see everything that we have to offer. But there's no excuse for you and your small group not to be missional. Amen? Let's make sure that we're doing our reach beyond. And then lastly, write this down down as letter C. We're not only called to go as individuals in a small group, but also as a unified church. Amen? Amen? You know, there are periodic moments throughout the year that we gather all of our church family. 
and we go out and serve the community, and we call those big serve days. And the next big serve days that's coming up is this upcoming Saturday morning, uh, April 9th. And so I want to challenge all of us. Listen, God is calling us to be missional. Yes, we're going to pray, and we're going to go, amen? Because God needs to use us, right, is going to use us to draw people to himself. So I want to challenge you, listen, there's no better season for us to go out and big and serve this city. It's super easy. You can go to that website that you saw. You can also scan that UR code and you can sign up. And uh, it's a great moment to go out with your small group individually or even with your family. You know, your children need to see that it's all, all about you. That we are called to serve the people of the city. Bring them with you. Listen, they're going to love it. It's going to be a few hours. It's not going to ruin your day. In fact, you're going to go home and you're going to say how much you loved it, all right? So I want to challenge us next Saturday morning at all campuses. Come on out. It's going to be really, really special. And uh, here's one thing I was going to say is one of the ways that we are going to be, that we're going to be seen as a unified church is that if we all kind of look the same. So I want to challenge you, if you have our Christ Fellowship t-shirt, that t-shirt right there, man, I want to challenge you to wear it at our Big Serve Day. Uh, there's nothing better to see a, a group of people going out from each campus with the word Christ across the chest, right? So they know who we're coming on behalf of and we're here to love and serve them. And so, listen, if you have this t-shirt, bring it with you, wear it next Saturday morning. If by any chance you don't have this t-shirt, don't, no sweat, we got you covered. On your way out, out of all our campuses, you can stop by the Big, uh, the big Serve Day booth at all of our campuses, sign up, and you're going to get one of these shirts free of charge. So that next Saturday when you come, you can just wear it, and you can be part of the church family. And if you're watching online and you're not one of our campuses today, don't worry. When you come next Saturday, we'll have shirts for you as well if you don't have them. But if you have one... Wear that next weekend, okay? And so, folks, here's how, how, here is how I, I, I want to end. Oh, by the way, if you also go in a small group, when you go out to do reach bounds, also wear that shirt. It's a way for you to go together as a unit, okay? But, folks, here's how I want to I, I end. You know, at the beginning, I spoke about my dad and the person who maybe I lost hope, right, that they could ever be safe for a season. And perhaps there's that person in your life right now. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend. And again, you haven't prayed for that person in a long time. Child of God, it's time for you to pray. It's time for you to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you're sovereign. We know that you can do all things. And so in a few moments, I'm going to give you some time for you to pray. And just go before the Lord and just say, Lord, this person in my life, I'm going to pray that, you know what, that they would, Trust that they would come and experience this amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give you some moments to pray for that person right now. And then afterwards, I'm going to lead us to pray for Easter weekend. Can I do that? So spend some time in prayer right now for that person in your life. And then I'll conclude us in this time of prayer. Spend some time now.
So, Lord, we, we go before your throne, oh, Lord. And us as a family, Lord, we lift up all the people in our lives that we know don't have you in their life. And we pray, oh, Lord, that you would show grace, that you would intervene and begin to draw them closer and closer to you, oh, God. So, Father, we lift them up. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would now be encouraged to pray to you because we know that you're sovereign. And, Lord, we also want to pray for Easter weekend. My God, that's a weekend that many people are going to be invited to come through invite cards, through personal relationships. And, Father, our prayer right now is that all those people that you are drawing here already, that you start preparing their hearts for the message of the gospel. And that when they come, they, they realize that there is a God who loves them, who gave his son for them and there was a personal relationship with them. And so, Father, do what only you can do, O oh God. And your word says that you, you can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Lord, we ask for that this, week, this Easter season. That many people would come to know you, Lord, and that the angels in heaven, O oh God, would rejoice to see so many people come to you. So, Father, we lift up our services. Father, I pray for a blessing over them. And may you be exalted that day, O oh Lord. We love you and we thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give it up to the Lord? What an amazing time today. I'm going to call all the campus pastors to the front now. But folks, I want to challenge you. Be back next weekend because we're starting what they call Holy Week. And next weekend is Palm Sunday. I'm telling you, it's going to be the perfect weekend to prepare our hearts for what the Lord is going to do on Easter. Don't miss it. I'm telling you, it's going to be a very special start to Holy Week, all right? I love you all. Have a great, great weekend.